Hello, Chelsea fans, and welcome back to an actually a pretty happy uh, Roman's Empire podcast this week, wouldn't you say? Yeah, I mean, two games, two wins. Wasn't the most commanding wins, but honestly, I'll take them. They count. It's it's yeah. six points in the bag, and that's what we were hoping for at the end of last pod. Everything else good, Zach? Everything's good? Yeah, yeah, I, I guess. Everything's okay. <laughs> Everything's going to be better if, if N'Golo Conte comes back. Oh, yeah. I so think everything will be perfect. My happiness hinges on his hamstrings. That makes... I You know... No, I love the way you worded that. It, it does. It It's... It's true. Like, when you see someone get hurt with, like, an ankle injury or something, you're like, oh, he took a knock. He'll be back in, like, a couple weeks. But then that, you see someone hammy. pull up with a hammy. The it's hammy always though. the hammy, though. It's never the calf. It's uh-huh. ne- Unless you're Danny Drinkwater. But it's never, like, it's never the quad or a groin. It's always the hammy. So, I don't know. But, prayers uh, for the hammy. Yeah. Pray- prayers for the hammy. Hashtag hammy prayers. <laughs> um, so, I think we should talk about Chelsea versus Everton. I think so, too. Um, we did, that game did happen this past week. A seemingly rejuvenated Everton side, which isn't saying much. Yeah, rejuvenated from absolutely crap nothing. to kind of crap. Um, I mean, they did look like crap in the first half. I feel like. I mean, they weren't. They didn't really string anything together that made them seem like a threat. It wasn't really until the second half that they came alive. Yeah, and you know, like, yeah, we did concede a goal at the end. Yes, it might have gotten a little nervy. 2-1, I get it, but mm-hmm. in all honesty, that game should have been 3 or 4-1. Yeah. You know, we got some surprise starts uh by Apadu, Drinkwater, and Kennedy. Yeah. So, uh, what would you think about Apadu's uh, performance today or that day? You know, the uh, the media has been heaping a lot of praise on him and and it's totally warranted. Like this is the one time that I actually agree with what the media is saying. The one for, time. For a 17-year-old, he looks extremely poised, and that's refreshing to see out of our youth academy. But I'm not going to go ahead and say he's going to break into the first team and he's going to be this great player for Chelsea Football Club because we were saying the same thing about Nathaniel Chaloba last year, how poised and how, you know, how much so you don't how confident him, he looked for his age. You don't want to praise him out of fear that we sell him to someone for cheap? Yeah, you're saying? you know he's so good. I think he, I think we could sell him the five mil for five million to Watford <laughs> eventually. But you know, that's like how good he is. That that's that's just like the Premier League today. I mean, it's clearly our uh, our loan system is, you know, Plan A is for profit and Plan B is oh this guy's actually pretty good. Let's bring him back after sending him on loan for twelve years. But yeah, I mean, I mean, I like him. I, he goes into tackles hard. He's very good with the ball at his feet. He has the right ideas. He misplaced a lot of passes in the first half, but like the ideas are there for a seventeen-year-old. You can't ask for you know a better performance than that. Yeah, and I thought also Charlie Musonda, he he struggled to get involved early on, but yeah, you know, since that he 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 got moved centrally, and, uh, and yeah, since that he's been able to you know. We, he worked a lot better. He assisted that Rudiger goal off of the short corner, which was really really nice pass and. I mean, Rudiger to be able to score that while jumping away from the goal. And, it was a nice. Know, it was a nice header. Yeah, that, really that's, nice that's a lot. It was like a little cushion. What dink. it looks like. Yeah. And another a fun fact: Chelsea defenders have now scored twenty-seven goals for the club across all competitions since the start of last season. So yeah, Rudiger nice. adding on to that number. You know, I was reading an article about Rudiger a while ago, and I'm not going to cite the source because I honestly don't remember who wrote it. But apparently Rudiger was a striker in the youth ranks. Mm -hmm. So he does have that 
finishing ability in him, I guess. Nose for the goal. A nose for the goal. As they say. Or a forehead for the goal, if you get what I'm saying. Yeah, because he scarred with his forehead. I got it. But uh, we, we we went into this game with a 3-4-3, um, Caballero and goal, who actually played a, really well. Yeah, he had an awesome game. Amazing performance. Um, Christensen, In Cahill, my opinion, sorry to cut you off, Caballero was, I think, the man of the match. We would not have won if it weren't yeah, for his performance. Yeah, yeah. you know what? I, and giving, and giving I agree. Giving Courtois a rest, you know, it's just so valuable. I agree. I, I think he was the man of the match, too. Um, but yeah, I mean, anyways, he was in goal. Christensen, Cahill, and Rudiger in the back line. Uh, Zappa and Kennedy out wide with Drinkwater and Ampadu holding um, Musanda and Willian and Batshuayi leading the three-pronged attack. So it was about like, I want to say like 18 minutes into the match where we switched to a 3-5-2. I noticed Musanda wasn't getting involved much and Conte really wanted to get him on the ball. Mm -hmm. So he moved him centrally, which I thought is interesting because, you know, like as much as Willian's been playing striker this year as, as, as part of a front two, He's more of a number 10 than Musanda is. I see Musanda more as just like an out-and-out winger. I know a lot of people talk about his, really? his midfield you know, ball-playing ability, but it, it, to me it would have made more sense if we dropped Willian into the hole and had Musanda playing up top just floating in a Hazard-type role. Well, that's funny. I, I think the exact opposite, but no, no, it, we'll see how you know, that like, turns out. I'm not saying he's crap in that position. Right, I'm course, just saying yeah. like I, I think common sense would put Willian as a number 10, just at least on paper. Uh, I guess I uh, lack common sense to them, according yeah. to you. Yeah, sorry. I didn't That's mean it to sound like that. Whatever. That's fine. But uh, speaking of common sense, um, Michi Batshuayi's performance was awesome. <laughs> speaking of common sense. Because it, it is common. Like, like you can't say that often about Batshuayi. Like, usually you could say he plays like shit and then scores the most important goal in Chelsea's club history. Like, but... He actually looked really, really solid. He's holding up the he's holding up the ball, backing into defenders, linking up play. Mm -hmm. One thing we don't talk about with Batshuayi that I just kind of want to mention before we move on is when he has his back to goal, he's actually really hard to knock off the ball. Like he's he's very strong, and I mm -hmm. think that's an underrated quality about him. Um, he was holding off Ashley Williams like nothing, and right. and Ashley Williams isn't a mug. Like no. he's not the greatest center half of all time, but he's not. Completely he's the second crap. best of all time, right? So that's what you're gonna say. No, he might not even be. He might. <laughs> he's actually the second best on a crap Everton side. Actually, <laughs> they're not a crap Everton side anymore. They're they're kind of crap now, without Kuman. So right, we'll see what happens. Um, I have I have one final note on this game too. Yeah. I think Williams' goal was like was incredible. That it's really what he needed, I think, to get his confidence up. That two man play between him and Fabregas was a little nutmeg. Was beautiful. And the, just the picture perfect finish, and you know that proved to be the game winner after Calvin Lewin's ninety fourth minute goal. And we did talk about this a little bit last week, and Antonio Conte even mentioned it in his post game interview. But we seem to really lose our focus at the end of halves, and I feel that if we don't straighten up, you know, straighten up a bit, one of these chances that we let let go is going to be the difference between a couple points. So. Well, I think I, I think the reason why it hasn't hit us yet is because we haven't done that to a team that could punish us for it. Mm -hmm. You know, like, yeah, Everton scored once on us in the second half, but we easily could have conceded again. Mm -hmm. And I think if we wind up playing a United or a City or a Liverpool or Tottenham, I don't want to say Arsenal, but like Arsenal, you know, tongue-in-cheek. But if we wind up playing a good team, they could punish us and they could put in, you know, maybe one two maybe even three goals at the end of a game against us mm -hmm. when we fall asleep so something to be wary of but 
Um, we didn't have to worry about it in, against Bournemouth, that's for sure. No. So uh, the, this the one zero final score is not telling for the for the kind of match that no, we had. No, we we got this is another match where where we got slacked off for playing like crap. I didn't think we had that bad of a performance. People, uh, I guess this is my rant, but like people don't realize that managers sit back and make their team sit back as a tactical, like as a tactical idea. It's not. Oh, the players aren't trying. The players don't give a shit because they're not pressing. Think about the context of the whole situation. It's our second game in the in the, in in that week. Mm-hmm. We also have a game at midweek against a really good Roma side away in Rome. Yeah, we've we've had two games a week for the past three weeks. We need I think. To, we need to pick and choose when we press and when we sit back and let the other other teams play. Bournemouth was playing for maybe the first ten or fifteen minutes of the first half. And they weren't a threat to us. And I had no problem with us sitting back because whenever we got the ball, we leaked out and we looked threatening. People always compare team performances and make it somehow synonymous to possession stats. And that's just not how it works at all. You look at Barcelona's possession stats for the last two years, you know, not including this year because this year they're actually doing pretty well. But if you look at their possession stats the last two years, they shit on everybody in terms of possession. Mm-hmm. But have they won anything? No. You know, like no. you have to put it you have to put it into that type of context. We don't need the ball to play well. And that's something that really irritated me about all the Twitter fiends during and after the game. Um but yeah, I guess that's my rant for the week. Yeah. It wasn't I'm... really planned, but like it's just <laughs> something that's like You just you can annoying. just rant on the spot. That's really impressive. It's annoying. I don't I, I, I don't know. I think so just one of my main points of this game, I thought Hazard looked like he's back to being take over the matches. I mean, that rest really did him well. And yeah. I think he was a player of the match. His movement throughout throughout the whole match was fantastic. He scored three goals in the past three games, which is, you know, nice. I mean, this, this was his first It's first a welcome Premier sign to goal. see him score in the Premier League. Yeah, yeah that's I think, what I was going to say. I like, think his last uh, away goal was actually against Bournemouth as well. Was it? Past season. Last wow. season. Yeah. Oh, was it the penalty? I don't I don't remember what the goal was. Yeah, but um, anyway, just to go through the starting lineup really quick. I mean, we had Courtois in goal. He returned. Um, Rudiger, Dave, and David Luiz. Um, Mr. Baca Not Nice, a.k.a. Bakayoko, and Cesc Fabregas in the midfield, Zapacosa and Alonso out wide. And I'm not going to lie, this Hazard-Pedro Morata thing, I'm, I'm, I'm really warming up to it. I love it. Last season, we when we had Pedro Hazard and Diego Costa, like, they, they seemed unstoppable at times in terms of goal scoring. Like, right. if one of them wasn't scoring, the other one was. That's the key right there as far as, like, goal scoring. Because, I mean... Yeah. We haven't been scoring a lot this season, and that's, you know, the difference between us and Man City. But I just think the combination of playing styles works way better than what we had with Diego Costa because, let's be honest, Diego Costa was just a serial killer in front of the goal. He didn't do anything besides score. His link-up play was okay at times. He's a decent defender as well, getting the ball back. Uh, well, well, on corners and set pieces, yeah, but I'm talking about, like, in the actual run of play— Hazard, Pedro, and Morata are all so interchangeable. And Pedro's ability to think as a number nine at times really, really helps us in terms of creativity. If we have Hazard sitting back and Pedro and Morata kind of playing as like two inside inside forwards, we look really, really nice. Mm-hmm. Pedro Pedro did have a rough match. 
like he looked really well. His movement was great. The ideas were there, but nothing like that final ball was just kind of lacking from him. Yeah. But it was still really encouraging to see him back. I think I think he's one of the players that Chelsea fans take for granted. And when he leaves in a couple of years from now, we're gonna look and say, you know, like I, I really miss Pedro. Yeah. Because he offers more than just goal scoring. I want to talk a little bit about our back line because although they look slightly unorganized at times, it mm. finally they were able to keep a clean sheet against a team that's second from bottom. Yeah, I mean that <laughs> that should be a given, but we haven't yeah. we haven't had a clean sheet in over a month, so it did feel good. Yeah. Um. But yeah, they looked a lot better than how it's been as of late, with the one uh, caveat being David Luiz's play. I think. Uh, he he really hasn't looked the same since uh Angola Conte has gone down. Um, yeah. I think that not having Conte in the midfield uh really hurts David Luiz's style of play because he really he brings the ball up so much and gives it away. And you know the blessing of having Angola Conte at midfield is that he's so smart. Like he'll he knows when to you when know to drop move, in exactly when yeah. to drop back and cover for him, but uh. Or he gives him a, or he gives him a passing outlet because, yeah. as good as good as Sesk is, and even Bakioko to a certain extent, Sesk is too immobile to move back and cover when David Luiz steps up, and Bakioko just hasn't gotten used to David Luiz's style of play yet. I don't think the chemistry is all there, so he doesn't know when to drop in and when to move out. Conte just has like this sixth sense, and this is part of the world class, and this is part of the reason why I consider him world class is. People don't talk about his position, his positional sense. Like he drops in at the perfect times. He he opens up for passes at the perfect times. His passing ability is phenomenal as well. I just think the back line doesn't look half as confident without N'Golo Conte there. But, you know, th- this this whole David Luiz thing, it just always harks back to the Christensen debate, doesn't it? Like, who should we be playing in certain matches? Yeah, David Luiz has a better range of passing, but Christensen's positional sense, I mean, we keep talking about it. Without N'Golo Conte especially, you need someone that's going to stay in the middle no matter what and provide that cover. It's not necessarily a bad debate to have, you know? I mean, you... No, it's it's a good problem to have. Right. Yeah. It, it's it's honestly a great problem to have because on David Luiz's day, he is world class. I mean, let's be honest. When he's at the top of his game, there's not many center halves that fit more naturally into a system. But the thing is, if he puts in a 7 out of 10, it's not good enough. Mm-hmm. You know, it's... I, I don't know. I'm not going to go out there and say he needs to put in a 10 out of 10 every week. Like, I know that's not going to happen, but I do think at the end of the day, Christensen is going to go down as one of the greatest center halves that ever played for Chelsea. And shout out to my Danish friends. I think he's going to be the greatest the greatest Danish center half of all time. But, <laughs> I mean, how, but, do you, can you name another one? Uh, No, only Chris from Denmark. <laughs> Chris from Denmark? <laughs> he, he probably plays anyway. You know, Chris from Denmark was really fast at pointing out how he scored again on a short corner. Like he's just trying to make me look stupid. So yeah, but watch yourself, Chris. I, I don't know. I, I don't have any dirt on him, so I can't really, he, <laughs> he seems like a good guy. He's a cool guy, but, uh, you know, again, do you think Christensen should be playing in matches like these? Or is it David Luiz? Because I think David Luiz is more useful in bigger matches. Yeah. I, that, that's what I was going to say. I think that, I mean, given the circumstances of this match, you do want to play a Christensen because I think that David Luiz is better fit for those bigger matches, but I don't know. I mean, it seems like 
just the, the the mental mistakes that David Luiz gives up, it would it would hurt us more in a big game than in a game like this. It's so when when there's you know we're playing against a not very quality opponent. It's it's so David Luiz from 2011, 2012, isn't it? Right. Um, speaking of other center halves, so I I, I want to mention Rudiger really quick and Aspi actually. In matches like these, you know, like the same argument that we have for Christensen, I think Rudiger is a lot more useful because. He has that ability to pick locks with his passing ability. And not only that, like, he just seems such a natural fit into this system. Right? I love everything he offers us, honestly. He's a je- – like, uh, believe me, I'm the first person to back up Cahill. And, and I love Gary Cahill. I'm always going to love him. He's a club legend. He's won everything there is to win. But Rudiger is really, really nipping at his heels for that starting spot. And it wouldn't be crazy to say that by the end of the season, if Gary Cahill gets, you know, uh, what's the right word? Unrooted? Uprooted? Right? I don't know. I think it's just funny how you're you're bringing this topic up when, you know, week after week you you rant about the people who say that Cahill's falling off. No, no, but no, but that's the thing. And again, it's not a knock on Cahill, but I think if you're going based off current form. And, that's fair. And, that's that's and, very fair. And the ability to slot into the system, I think Rudiger's a more natural fit for one and two. I think every single time he's played, he's impressed. And if we, I think if we didn't have another natural leader on our team, it would um, be Rudiger's spot for sure. Oh no, I'm saying that it would be harder to to give up, uh, oh. you know, Cahill's spot. But I think yeah. that we, the fact that we have Aspilicueta and what he brings as far as like leadership mm-hmm. um i think that it would make the decision to move him to the bench a little bit easier i mean don't get me wrong i understand why fans have a love hate relationship with gary cahill but you can't completely code off a player for one or two bad performances especially after winning the champions league on one leg yeah so fuck off right um <laughs> that's your that's your go-to that's my go-to um <laughs> one-legged champion fuck you speaking of champions aspilicueta made a game-saving Wow, blocked didn't he? That must have hurt. I mean, it, it hurt watching, just watching. Did, that. did did he get nutted or was it? It was just. I mean, he was point blank right in front of the shot, and like just you could see the force hitting his leg, and like oh. it just like hit it so hard. But still, it's okay. He has he has these really Aspilicueta actually has really muscular legs. Have you ever noticed? Oh, I notice all the Dude, time. That's the only thing I look at for sure. <laughs> but um. This rest that he had, you know, I'm going to hark back a little bit. The last couple of weeks, he didn't look like the Dave of last season, right? Yeah. Or, or, or even the reliable Dave no, that yeah, we always talk that's, about. That's fair to say. But that rest that he had in the Everton match, I think it just gave him time to clear up his mind and focus on just one single match instead of focusing on two or three matches a week. And I think it helps. It helps players. And mentally... It's nice to just kind of take a load off every now and then. Yeah. And I think Antonio Conte is smart enough with his man management to just, you know, maybe he learns from this. Maybe he sits Aspie a couple games, you know, and, and I have absolutely no problem with that because our cover at center half is ridiculous this season. I mean, it, it helped with Hazard. I think it helped with William as well. Yeah. I mean, you just need a little bit of rest, I think, to get back into form and yeah. some time off maybe and you know they they snap back into their original form yeah and you know just one last thing on dave is you know a lot of people would go and say oh and we we actually had this conversation we're like 
a lot of people go out and say Hazard was a man of the match in this game because he took over and he scored the goal, whatever. Mm-hmm. My man of the match was Dave because without his tackle, it would have been 1-1. We would have picked up a draw and it would have been the end of the world again, right? Oh, yeah. I think this defenders have this ability to have incredible matches and just really good performances while flying really under the radar. Like, if if, if you're talking from a defender's point of view, if, if you're a 7 or, or an 8 out of 10, it's pretty damn good. I mean, I know I just said 7 out of 10 from David Luiz, but a 7 out of 10 from David Luiz is like a 4 for another defender, right? Like, yeah. That's just my opinion. But... You know, if they do have a great match, they hardly get a mention. And I'm mentioning Aspilicueta now because he was my man of the match and he doesn't get enough credit. He's probably the most underrated player on our squad. Mm-hmm. So we got a second look of uh, Danny Drinkwater this game. We didn't, he played against Everton. We didn't talk about him during that game. But yeah, you can't really judge a player on his first match. Back. Yeah, and I, I think he, I mean, do you see a difference in our squad with him on the pitch? Definitely. He's he's a cerebral footballer. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the best way to put it because you know, we knew we knew of his passing ability, him clipping those balls over the top and behind defenses playing in Jamie Vardy and their title winning season, right? But right. we knew he had that about him, but I'm talking in terms of his defensive ability. Which he, I which I wasn't so sure about and yeah. he kinda he kinda proved me wrong. I mean I knew he was okay. And and I knew that he could do a job, but he looked incredibly solid, and I feel a lot more confident after actually seeing him out on the field doing his thing. He reads the passing lanes really well, for one. Yeah, I mean that's what that's what experience brings you. Yeah, that it kind does. Of, that kind of play style, you know, he does. He's not the the quickest. He's not the fastest. He's not the most athletic, but you know, he's he is mobile and getting into those passing lanes. I mean, it 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 helps out so much. Like when we when we eventually get N'Golo Conte back. I mean, I could totally imagine him doing the chasing and Danny Drinkwater just picking off the passing lanes like they did that season at Leicester. Mm-hmm. And I oh, don't think man. they'll skip a beat because they're honestly, I think at least N'Golo Conte is a much better player than he was at Leicester that season as well as he played. And Danny Drinkwater is just another year wiser, right? So we'll see. I- I'm really excited to see them work together. I think they have a lot to offer. Um English Sesk Fabregas, possibly. I saw someone write a tweet that said Danny Drinkwater is the English Sesk Fabregas. <laughs> Relax. Well, let's, yeah, let's not get ahead Calm of ourselves. Down. But uh I mean yeah, Fabregas what he like debuted when he was eighteen years old. Sixteen. If, if, sixteen. If, yeah. if Drinkwater isn't at Fabregas's level at the age of twenty eight, I think he is now. Yeah. Uh, I don't think that he'll ever be that good. But we can all we can always just hope and pray that he will be. I mean, he plays a little bit like him. He's a, he's a better defender. I mean, well, in all fairness, Sesk actually tries to defend, but he's just not good enough, right? Like 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 the effort's there. Yeah, I respect to go, the to go out and say that he doesn't put in an effort is just like ignorant. But I don't know. So, what's your overall thoughts of this match? Um, it's definitely not all doom and gloom. No, it was one nil, but. It was a solid performance, and I honestly never felt like we would ever concede in that game, bar the Aspilicueta save. Um, but yeah, I mean, I just think Chelsea fans need to relax in terms of the game plan, in, in, in terms of criticizing Conte's game plans, because like I said, we sat back, we got the result, and at this point in time, at this point in the season, the most important thing is getting three points, and even if it's ugly, it's still three points, and no one's going to remember it no. come the end of the season. So. Right. Yeah, I mean, 
not much else to say. I, I, I it should have been three or four nil. Yeah, but am I kicking myself? No, we still, we still picked up the three points, so I can't complain. Um, let's talk about Roma. I mean, this is gonna be a tough fixture, and if we're gonna put in the same type of performance that we did against Bournemouth, where we can't throw a rock in the ocean. It's not going to hold up against Roma. No. team, A team of that quality is just going to eat us alive. So uh, what do you think is going to factor into this match um, in terms of our squad depth, in terms of how we approach it, our preparation? Well, if N'Golo Conte returns, I know he's been back at training, and you know Antonio Conte is saying that if he's ready, then he, he'll, he'll probably play. Um, but I'm not going to get my hopes up. I, I have a feeling... It's a possibility that he starts, but I'm not going to get my hopes up, and I'm going to kind of uh, just have my mindset on the idea that Drinkwater is probably going to start, um, which I'm not too upset about. But, I mean, of course, it would be great to have N'Golo Conte back. And um, I think that, you know, with, with uh, Victor Moses out, it's we're probably going to see Aspilicueta play at that right wing back. Because I hope I don't, not. You don't think so? I hope not. I mean, I, I would like that. But I mean, I'm sorry to cut you off, but I I, I do like Zapacosa's crossing ability. Oh yeah. And against a team like Roma, we need to be as wide as possible. This is this is a game where I really don't want to see us sit back. And I know we talk about it a lot, where Conte goes to win the matches, and I think this is definitely going to be that match where he goes out and just absolutely goes for the jugular because it's his first match back in Italy. Since leaving Italy. Oh wow! Yeah, I didn't. Even, I didn't even think of that. So he's gonna want to put out a statement, and you know, and I know the team's gonna be fired up based on Rudiger's comments about how he was treated in, at Roma and whatnot. The camaraderie in the, in the dressing room is, is is awesome, and it's really refreshing. I love it, yeah. So you know, and I know they're gonna have Rudiger's back, and and I think I think we're honestly gonna put in a really good performance. If it was up to me, um, I know N'Golo Conte's back in training, like he said, but. I would I would start N'Golo Conte, Bakioko, and drink water. I wouldn't start Fabregas for this game. I think defense comes first because our midfield got absolutely annihilated mm-hmm. at the bridge. So who was it? Strutman, Maxim Gonalones, and and Raja Nangolin. Yeah, they just destroyed us. They're so mobile and interchangeable and and energetic, and we couldn't match that with David Luiz and Bakioko, and, and because Fabregas is really a non-factor in that sense. So. Yeah. I think throwing drink water in there gives you legs, but it also gives you that ability to stretch a defense with that passing ability. Um, I honestly, I mean, from what we saw, I would be really happy seeing David Luiz um, play as a defensive mid. Um, again, if, huh? if I mean, I would love. I mean, I want to see Rudiger start. Um, I want to see Aspi as a wing back. I mean, Marcos Alonso hasn't really been playing. I mean, he hasn't been playing poorly, but he hasn't done anything really like to be a net positive. You know, he just is kind of like a wash. I feel but why like. do you think that is? Because I kind of have an idea, but I just want to hear your take. We never really discussed I, this. So. I don't know. I don't. I mean, I I can't. I don't have a reason why, but I think I'd like to hear what you have to say. I think he's playing a lot of matches, and that we Conte doesn't trust Kennedy enough to put him in. You know, for some of the bigger games. You could tell that the trust is there with Zapacosta. I mean, now, obviously, he doesn't have a choice. He has to play him, but... Zapacosta he... can play either side, right? Yeah, I mean, he is a righty, but, yeah. like, if he's going to want to... He... Here's the thing. Defensively, you're going to get the same type of performance from Zapacosta if you shift them to the left, but 
now you're talking about offensively. You're taking away Zapacosta's best asset, and that's the cross, you know, whipping mm. in those crosses across the edge of the six and in the penalty area. So, I mean, but Aspilicueta, he, he can play on the left side. Aspi can. I mean, he, yeah. he's familiar with it. He played, what, two or three years? Right, left, left back, back, yeah. When, when Brano was at the top of his game. So, I mean, for what I'm – I think it would be great. I think that we should be playing at a with a 3 5 one, one. Yeah, having Hazard play uh, the center attacking mid just with like Murata f- right in front of him, just to have like the license to roam wherever the hell exactly, like, yeah. and you know play really far, really conservative with you know Aspi on the left side and Zapacos on the right. I mean, again, like I think I think you're right about Marcos Alonso not getting enough rest, and I would not be upset if he sat out this game. I don't think and he's going to. You don't. You don't think he's going to be sitting out. I. But that's what I would do, I guess. And you know, with with the option of him coming in late later into the game. I mean, we talked about going for the jugular, right? Mm-hmm. So if you're going for the jugular in this kind of match, it makes sense to have Zapacosta on one side whipping in crosses and Marcus Alonso, who's a really great crosser as well. Yeah, playing on the other. Alonso could handle the matches. That's not the issue. He's just not putting in these. Nine out of ten performances again. Like we always talk about that. Yeah, I mean, he's he's not like I said, he's not a net positive or a net negative. He's really just a wash, I think. Yeah. No, he hasn't been playing poorly. It just hasn't been showing up the way he we've seen him do. Yeah, yeah. I, I, it still remains to be seen. I'm really curious to see what Conte does. Yes, we can qualify if if we win. Yeah, yeah. We'll guarantee qualification, and then I mean that's another guaranteed three points when we go to carry a bag, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. You keep calling it carry a bag. I mean, this is Carabog. Yeah, I know it's Carabog, but like all the other Chelsea podcasts call it carry a bag, and it's just kind of rubbed off on me, I guess. Yeah, I think it's it's just the accent. Yeah. <laughs> but um, um, do you, so you think Conte is gonna he's gonna go for the win, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you think that's a smart thing to do? I think he has to. You know, again, a match like this, if you go in and 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 get a one-one draw or or a nil-nil, I'm not gonna be irritated. I'm not going to lose sleep over it, but I just think in terms of personal pride, and we know how much pride Antonio Conte has. Oh, yeah. I just think he's going to go out swinging and expose that back line more than we did at the bridge. That back line looked awful. Yeah. Awful. Oh, yeah. I mean, every time we we had the ball, we looked like we could score. So if we have Conte in there and they can't really penetrate through the midfield anymore – that's just more pressure on their back line, especially without Costas Manolas, which we'll get to in a little bit. So you hinted at you know what we need to do to win. What what do you think our keys to victory are for uh, this match? Um, again, winning that midfield battle is going to be massive, and yeah. that kind of ties in with my second point: is limiting the supply line at Jeco, which is the midfield. He <laughs> was getting he was getting service from the middle, yeah, from the middle of the pitch, and if we negate that, Jeco's going to be you know possibly negated in a match like this now let me remind you guys and 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 i did mention it on our preview for this roma match too is edin jeko is the type of striker that will hurt chelsea and he did in that in that first leg right um obviously this is a return leg and we need to figure what figure out a way to stop him and i think bolstering our midfield is the best option i think risking or sacrificing Fabregas for someone more mobile and defensively astute like Danny Drinkwater will do us a lot of good in a match like this. Um, obviously, pressing their back line. They're really poor with the ball. I know the Twitter haters are going to mention Fazio's ball to Edin Dzeko. 
But let me tell you something. If if Federico Fazio <laughs> plays a ball like that to Edin Dzeko again this season, send me a <laughs> clip of it, and I'll personally hand you over my podcast. It's not going to happen. <laughs> this Yeah, that's like the most valuable thing you own. The this most podcast, valuable right? podcast, yeah, because <laughs> we get so many listeners, right? Um, hey, but everyone who does, we love you. Yeah, low-key. High-key. High-key. Yeah, high-key. Um, yeah, I mean... Yeah, I mean, because... You know, when we never, whenever we got the ball, in you know, in their in their defensive third this past time we played them, they really did look vulnerable. Yeah. And again, Costas, um, oh, am I forgetting his Manolas. name? Manolas. Yeah, he he's not going to be playing again, right? He does not. He, I, no, I, all the all the match previews are saying that you know he's he's most likely going to miss out. Which so I'm I mean that is, I think it's going to be a little bit. It's going to be more of the same, uh, the same scenario. So, you know, Sesk is going to be crucial if he plays. Um, he'll he'll have to you know he'll have to you really got to look for him to push up and um, he'll if pick he, apart those that defense. If he does play, there's no doubt in my mind he's going to be in a more advanced position this time around, and he and he's not going to be playing in a midfield in a in a in a deeper role, defensive midfield role, right? Yeah. Um, would you go three five two or three four three? Uh, I mentioned it earlier. I want to do. I, I love to do a three-five-one-one. Yeah, you know, I'm kind of torn on it, right? Because when we shifted into three-four-three, when we played them at the bridge, that's when the game really turned on its head, and we and we, you know, started applying a lot of pressure, um, especially with our front three pressing their back line. But again, like I, I don't, I don't want to risk losing that midfield battle unless we have N'Golo Conte and Bakioko there. I don't know. It's this is a very tough one to call. Um but I gotta go one one. I well you know my rule. I never picked Chelsea to lose except for that one time. So I, except I, for that one time where it was true. Two one against Chelsea. I mean two, two one, one Chelsea. For Chelsea. Two well, for Chelsea, yeah. See I'll be happy with that. Um but I, I Actually, I'm going to change it to 2-0. I think that we're going to continue our streak of a one-game clean sheet, and we're going to carry it over to two games. I definitely hope so. 2-0, I'm changing it. So everyone who's at, who, you know, is at home and keeping track, which I'm sure there's a lot of you guys, make sure you make that correction. All 100 and something of you. Um, let's talk about Man United because we're running out of time. So obviously Mourinho returns to Stamford Bridge for the second time. After the first time didn't go so well, thanks to uh, went pretty well for us. Thanks to my boy Pedro finding a way to score. What what was that like twenty some seconds in? That was the fastest goal of the Premier League season last season. Oh, I loved it. Oh, Great God. start. I love Pedro. Hopefully, uh, we'll see that again this uh, this upcoming weekend. So doubt it. You, but <laughs> you think so? What you think the three four three or three five two would suit us better for this game? Well, you know what I know. Jose is going to go out there and, and hit us on the counter, right? Yeah. Just to break it down, Manu doesn't need to win this match. And Mourinho's not a dumb guy. He knows that. So he's going to go out there and try to nick his 1-0. And if he gets a draw, he's going to be completely happy with it. Chelsea needs to win this match because we already dropped three. And I think the threshold for even competing for our top three spot is maximum losing five games. Mm-hmm. And we already dropped three. So we need to win this game. A draw is not going to do it. The gap's going to be way too big. Um, and I'm talking about the gap between us and City because we obviously have title aspirations, right? <laughs> um, but I, 
Top three would be nice, though. I think three four three. I think Mourinho is going to sit back, and I think having Pedro and Hazard with that interchange, especially at the top of the 18-yard box, which is probably where we're going to spend most of our time, um, I think it's going to be really useful. I would go three four three. Um, Bakayoko and Conte. Um, I would do the same. Yeah, and then just have Hazard and and Pedro, you know, do their thing up top with yeah, with Morata. It's kind of it's kind of a tough call because you know Mourinho has shown time and time again his ability to adapt and switch up the formation based on what he sees on the pitch, which uh, is which opposition. is unusual. And it's something. It's this is new Jose. This yeah. isn't this isn't the Jose we knew, right? But he's been he's been doing it this season. He played. It's working. He played two at the top against the Spurs last week. Played three at the back versus Madrid earlier in the season, and you know he also switches back and forth from this four three three and a four two three that one Christmas tree formation that we all <laughs> fell in love with. Yeah, that's, that's we started that. Um, so what what? How do you think we're? You know, you you you're being you know watching Mourinho play all these years. It's hard for us to get into his mind now, just because he's not. He's not the same Mourinho, I feel like, as he he's, was. He's an evolved Mourinho. It's like it's like he leveled up in a Pokemon game, right? Like, uh, yeah, I mean, one of the greatest managers of all time, God better. That's so. What what approach do you think he's gonna take? Well, obviously, like I said, he's gonna sit back, yeah. right? But I just think it's a matter of what personnel he decides to play with because they have no Paul Pogba, they have no Marilyn Fellaini. And they have Michael, a, Carrick, Michael like Carrick is out as well. So you know and I know Herrera and Matic are the only two defensive midfield options that he's going to go with. Um, I just that, that spit sound was for Herrera, not Matic. Under on, Herrera is going to follow around in Hazard and kick him any chance he gets. We already know that. Uh, Matic is going to sit in and just you know help leak out play. I still respect him. Yeah, me too. Um, but it's just a matter of what wingers they play because the only way they're going to penetrate. Our back line is by exposing that space between the center backs and the wing backs. We talk about it every week, but they don't have a midfielder that could that could carry the ball. I mean, Mkhitaryan's not the type to play box to box, is he? Mm-hmm. He's gonna sit. He's gonna sit ten, fifteen yards away from Lukaku the whole entire match. So I think I think he might go Mkhitaryan out on one side. He'll go Rashford on the other for pace. Maybe play Mata up the middle, um, just because you know ex Chelsea. It fits the narrative. Watch Mata and Lukaku just both bag a brace. And no. I, I have a really bad feeling about this match for some reason. <laughs> because you know what I know? Jose always gets his way at the end, right? Three ex-Chelsea uh, parts, I, I would say, trying to get revenge on us. I mean, yeah, yeah that's just a formula for yeah. a heartbreak Disaster, right? Like, I still can't get the De Bruyne go out of my head. So, if we're talking about injuries... Again, Paul Pogba, Fellaini, and Carrick are out. Midfield options are very limited for them, and Mourinho has talked about it in his press conferences this week. Um, I don't know. I'm, it still remains to be seen what formation he'll play. Well, all, the only thing I do know is that Mourinho is going to be putting out a very solid and organized back line. Yeah, that's what yeah. I that's what that, I do know. So that's a staple with any Mourinho team. I mean, so, he'll he'll make mm-hmm. it work with whatever personnel he has, right? So Fabregas, Hazard, and Morata are all gonna be they're they're gonna have to play at the top of their game mm-hmm. in order to break them down. I mean, I guess in a match like this, the key for them is gonna be the the counter, right? So 
Yeah, I mean, they're going to have a, a lot, lot of pace. Of, a lot of green grass is going to be their key to this match. And I think our key to this match is going to be those five to six yard bursts of, of pace into the 18 yard box just to break through their back line, you know, those little back passes and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, Moses is going to miss this match. And I'm actually gutted for him that he's missing this match because this is someone that grew up in English with English in English soccer, right? It was a Crystal Palace, I believe. Yeah. And, you know, this is a match he's going to relish playing Man United. Yeah, because everyone hates Man United. Yeah. If you're not with him, you're against him, right? Right. So I am kind of gutted for him in this match. I would have preferred him over Zappacosta, even though he's not as defensive-minded, just because of the fact that he's English and he understands the you know the importance of a match like this, especially for the fans. I don't know. I think you're overplaying it a little bit. I think uh, anyone could figure out how important this match is. It would. I mean, I I feel for. It's fair. I feel for you know Victor Moses, but I don't think that not having him play is gonna you know we're not gonna have you know Zapacosa is not gonna just because he's Italian doesn't mean he doesn't understand the importance of this game. Yeah, sorry for being racist. <laughs> That was pretty racist. It <laughs> wasn't man. racist at all, though. That's you made me sound like a racist. Just because um, he's Italian. Just because he's Italiano. Um, that was a terrible accent. Um, so let's let's talk about the benches, okay? Because I mean that's that's probably the strongest um, the strongest uh, place in Man United squad is the fact that they have a ridiculously talented bench, right? Yeah. Anytime you have Anthony Martial, a 50 million pound teenager coming off of your bench, I mean, you know, they're going to give you trouble, right? Um, So it it just seems like every time this season, whichever one starts, whether it's Mar- uh, Martial or Rashford, <laughs> the other one always comes off the bench and scores. Yeah, it happened last week against Tottenham. Yeah. Right? Martial came Martial off the bench, the scored the game winner. Yep. So it's... You know, history it's something tends we to have repeat to worry itself about. with that. And whether we go three four three or three five two, we we still have a strong bench, and that's something Chelsea fans need to keep in mind. Right. And I think Antonio Conte is going to take note of is we have William or Pedro off the bench, or possibly both off the bench. And we know William could be a game changer, mm-hmm. and Pedro could nick a goal whenever he you know, whenever he's up for it, right? So I think the play of our bench, the last 15, 20 minutes of this match is going to be the most important time. I know it's easier said than done because it's going to be a tight one, but it's crucial. And those guys have to be ready. And I think they're poised enough to do that. I think uh, one of the most important things of this match is our back line needs to be able to cut off the supply to Lukaku because if if they're not organized and, you know, and if, if also if this also goes for the defensive mids, if they're not helping out, you know, he, we've seen him just reap the rewards of um, a non-organized and non-attentive defense. He's a penalty box striker. He's like your prototypical poacher, right? If you give him any chance in and around the 18-yard box, he's going to bury it. Mm-hmm. So he's one of those guys where if you give a clear-cut chance to him, he's probably going to score. Um, and it, and it, it, it's not 100% confirmed that Pogba is not going to be playing. So, <laughs> according to Mourinho, you want to read the quote because I I think it's kind of funny. Do you have it in front of you? Uh, yeah. I said that Pogba isn't training with the first team yet, and that he has no clue when he will return. So basically, he's saying that 
Pogba is going to be back because Pogba, he, Pogba he is going to start and score a hat trick because that's just how Mourinho works. He, yeah, he never he never tells the truth. To the he media. said he he said something along the lines of Pogba wasn't training with the first team, so he has no idea how his recovery process is going. Yeah. Okay, Jose, like you have no idea how your best player's hamstring is holding up six weeks after the injury. Like, pray for the hammy yeah. to not come back. Yeah. Pray for pray for. Pray for one hammy. You can only do one prayer. Just one Frenchman's hammy. Yeah. yeah, you can only pray for one hammy a week. So, let's um, we'll, let's we'll pray. Use it on, we'll use it on. We'll, we'll use it on Angolo Conte, and we'll purposely not use it on Paul Pogba or Harry Kane. Right. Okay. I'm down. Um. So I mean, but if Pogba comes back, that's gonna make Lukaku even Game more changer. dangerous because you know he's one of the main outlets for Lukaku. To total. Total. It's yeah. It's a total game changer, and and Pogba's a you know he's at that. He's in the prime of his career, or at least he's approaching it. So, right. it's not going to take him long to get back into the groove of things. We just, we just have to be as disciplined as, as we know, Man United is going to be, uh, defensively. Yeah, that's and, a good point. And we just got to hit him on the counter, you know, because we know we pretty much got to play the same game as they're going to play. I think. Yeah, it's going to be a chess match. In a sense, well, that's a given. I mean, you you have Mourinho, who's arguably the best tactical manager in the world, and then you have Ingo- you have Golo Conte, Antonio Conte, He's a player coach, and Golo Conte. Yeah, well, I I mean, you have Antonio Conte, who's, I mean, what what else do we need to say about him, right? Like he's basically family, to me at least. Um, yeah, that's my uncle. That's my uncle. No, he's more more like my dad. But what's your daddy? Yeah, he's my dad. Daddy. Um. So predictions before we wrap this up, because again we're running short on time. What do you think, Sam? I'm giving us the win, one zero, one nil. I think this is the first time in our podcast history where I'm predicting two draws in Zach, the same podcast. Stop, man, don't do this. I'm gonna go nil nil. I think Hazard's gonna get the crap kicked out of him. He's gonna get kicked out of the game, and Maratha's gonna be flopping all over the place. But at the same time, I think. Lukaku is just not going to be involved at all, um, because I think Antonio Conte is going to be very wary of the of the outside threat that Rashford possesses with his pace. So I think that Lukaku's supply line is going to be cut off. But at the same time, I think Mourinho is going to be really effective in cutting off Eden Hazard and, and Chelsea's supply line as well. You understand that if we win this match and Tottenham doesn't win, we're only a point behind Man United, and we'll only be six points behind man city that's gonna be only six points yeah. <laughs> that's if man city drops six points before the uh, season ends no, I mean, at this point it just doesn't seem like it yeah i take that back Except probably not tony pulis gave him a hard time last week i think they only won three two yeah i mean this was from scored in the 90th minute and like just to give you an idea of how good of a manager pep guardiola is he's making raheem sterling look like a world beater which is probably he, 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 one of the most difficult tasks in world football. I think yeah, he's harder got, than harder than Raheem Sterling wearing a condom. I don't get it. He has like, like is five like, illegitimate children. Oh really? Yeah, like by the age of like seventeen, he had like three different kids with three different women. Oh wow, classy. Yeah. Yeah, good for him. At least he's getting it in. Well. <laughs> Anyways, I think that's a good time to end the podcast, don't you think? Eight kids. That's what that's what the official he has number eight is. Kids? Yeah. No way. Holy shit. Yeah. There's no way. We're literally looking on Google right now. Yeah. And and ev- 
Holy shit. Yeah, when no he was 17, way. he had three kids with two different women. So Wow. Um, what do the women look like? See if you can find a picture of them. Not bad. I mean, do any of them uh do any of them look like Brendan Rogers? Maybe that's why he sold them to Nancy. <laughs> I can't find any picture of the women, but I'm sure they're uh, they're thing. wags. Yeah, they might be wags. I don't know. I don't think a wag would go after a Raheem Sterling type. He's just too small and frail and bitch looking. He has, <laughs> he has money. Yeah, he has money. But yeah, what else? So what does else everyone else on? So does every other footballer in the world. Yeah, like, that's why they all have hot really, wives. I don't know. <laughs> Zach, you start start making a couple million dollars a year, and then and then come back to me with how many girls are on. Hey man, listen. I grew my club's worth in FIFA by 30% within two seasons. I just unlocked that achievement today. So I could rack up those fat stacks. Wow, I'm so proud of you, man. In video game format. So proud of you. Yeah. What an accomplishment. Yeah, I don't know. We haven't even made a dollar off of this podcast yet. So anyways, um, that's yeah. the end of the pod, guys. All donations are accepted. Yes, we don't get paid for this shit and. We're actually in debt because these microphones are pretty pricey. They weren't that bad. They weren't that bad. <laughs> they were on sale when we bought we're them. We're <laughs> in debt. We're in debt. That's a, we're in debt. That's a great way to put it. Um. Anyways, um. feel free to message us, tweet us. Again, say it every week. We're getting more and more interactions, and it's great. Um. Our Twitter is at RomansEmpirePod. Our email is RomansEmpirePod at gmail.com. Look for us on iTunes. Look for us on SoundCloud. Our RSS feed is up on multiple podcasting formats and basically every third party app known to mankind at us give us a shout out ask us questions even if we suck tell us we suck i think it's funny when people tell us they suck or when people tell us we suck especially like online i'm like well that's your opinion and i respect that like i don't know there's a lot of twitter trolls and a lot of them are assholes but most of them are cool like chris from denmark is cool oh i love chris from denmark he's the best kid i wonder I want to know, like, like tweet at us if you could tell the difference from when I'm tweeting and when Psalm's tweeting. Because I'm the main tweeter on the page. Mm-hmm. But, like, I'll go and post something completely irrational and, like, totally, like, in the moment. And then a couple hours later, I'll go, I'll log on, and then I'll see Psalm post something, like, really logical and just, like, <laughs> level-headed. And I'm just like, You're wow, really there's a total difference. polar difference between the way we tweet. Yeah. So mm-hmm. let us know if you notice it. I'm really curious. But uh, anyways, that's the end of the pod, guys. We'll stop this torture. Also, I just wanted to say, if, if you look up Chelsea FC on iTunes podcast, we're like the third podcast up that shows up. Hell yeah. So I don't know why you guys aren't listening. Right behind uh, right behind our good friends uh, from the London is Blue podcast. Uh, Brandon, Nick, and Dan are, are, are really good friends of mine. Yeah. And they actually helped uh, jumpstart. They actually gave me advice to jumpstart this podcast. So shout out to, credit them. to them. Yeah, shout out to them. They're really cool dudes. Give them a listen. They're great. Um, anyways, that's end of the pod. Um, hopefully six points by the end of the week. And until then, keep the blue flag flying high.